Amanda, remember that time Edgar Allan Poe married his first cousin? that time in historical podcast i'm your host amanda webb and i'm your host anna webb and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about their favorite moments in history and hey it's me again hey it's anna again (laughs) i'm talking again this time anna's Um, Anna's taking one for the team and doing two weeks in a row because i want my next episode to be around thanksgiving (laughs) yeah so i decided maybe we'd try to like bridge the gap a little bit okay and it's still it's not spooky but it's like gothic yes and you know takes place in america so So, (laughs) that's good enough for me so we're talking about if you couldn't have figured it out from that um edgar Allan poe yeah i don't know how you didn't figure it out from (laughs) From gothic and lives in america (laughs) Um, But before we get into Poe, would you like a drink update? I would. Today, I am drinking white wine. Ooh. I'm having a Chardonnay. I'm not Mm. usually a white wine drinker, but full disclosure, I am on my Christmas creep. And I did put up my decorations this weekend, which at time of recording was the first weekend in November. And uh, I just like to have a white wine when I'm putting my Christmas tree up, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like I, had a, I had a hot chocolate with some Baileys when I put up my Christmas decorations. Oh, I almost poured myself some Baileys this evening, but then decided not to. Mm. Um, and I did have hot chocolate last night. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm drinking water and all is right with the world again. <laughs> yes. But you know what? We didn't have any technical difficulties last week when we switched off no we did not with our drinks so i think we're in the clear again for that <laughs> you think we've we're safe we're we've safe passed, on the other side <laughs> we've passed through that curse yes yes apparently. we have so let's talk about poe yes please i'm a big fan of poe me too my best friend is a very big fan of poe mm-hmm. um so i just wanted to get into that gig a little bit <laughs> so edgar poe is born January 19th, 1809 in Boston. It sounds so weird to not but, have the Allen on. Well, we'll and I get know to we'll it. get to that, but it yeah. sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is the second child of English-born actress Elizabeth Arnold Hopkins Poe and Quite actor, the name. yeah, and actor David Poe Jr. So both of his parents were actors. Okay. Which I feel like says a lot about him, even yes. though he didn't really spend any time with his parents. It's in his bones. <laughs> yeah. The drama. <laughs> uh, he has an older brother, William Henry Leonard Poe, and a younger sister, Rosalie Poe. That is so funny to me that, like, of his parents, one of them has a ridiculously complicated name and the other doesn't. And the same is true for his siblings. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> Genuinely, no clue. His grandfather, David Poe Sr., immigrated from County Cabin. Did I say that right? I think so. In Ireland. Um, around 1750. So huh. he is Irish, technically. Huh. Yeah. And actually, well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> 
Um, it's believed that Edgar was named after a Shakespearean character from King Lear oh. because both of his parents were performing in the play. Huh. The time. That's very interesting. The literary journey began uh-huh. early for him. Um, so in 1810, David Poe, his father, leaves the family. And mm-hmm. then in 1811, his mother dies of consumption. Oh, so we're off to a really good start. Yeah. Two years in. So Edgar is sent to live with John Allen, who's presumably his godfather, but it's, I got that from Britannica and I didn't see like what their source was for that. So I'm not positive. Yeah. Um, I just read about him. I read like a little biography about him for my um, American lit class. And I feel like the set of circumstances that got him to Alan were like a little weird and confusing. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's like generally believed that he was a godparent Mm -hmm. and actually his brother and sister don't, don't live with him. No. The Allens. So I don't really know how that happened. Um, But he, John Allen is a merchant in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. He deals in a variety of goods, including tobacco, cloth, wheat, tombstones, and of course, (laughs) slaves. Oh, good. So we're doing real good so far, Edgar. Yeah, yeah. What a weird combination (laughs) of things. The tombstones is what really threw it off for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. (laughs) Because it's not like they're saying, like, granite or or limestone or, like, something that a tombstone may be made of. very specific. Specific, yeah. Um, So the Allens basically serve as a foster family, and they are the ones who give Edgar the full name of Edgar Allen Poe. But they don't formally adopt him. He just goes by that name for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So in 1812, Edgar is baptized in the Episcopal Church. Mm Mm-hmm. And in 1815, the family goes to Britain. So he spends a good amount of time over across the pond, as we say. Mm-hmm. Um, he attends grammar school in Irvine, Scotland, which is where John Allen was born. Oh. So he's technically Scottish, his foster parent. Interesting. Um, and he attends school there for about a year. And then he goes back to London in 1816 where his family is living, his foster family. Um, And then he attends a boarding school in Chelsea in 1817. Um, And then he doesn't last very long there. And then he starts, in the same year, he starts attending Reverend John Barnsby's Manor House School. That which, sounds fake. Yeah, it, right? It sounds like it's from a TV show or something. Yeah, that sounds I think made up. I think it's the Barnsby. Sounds like a fake name. Yeah. It sounds and like the, a name an American makes up for a British character. And the reverend starting it and then the manor house ending <laughs> yeah. it. Like, all of that sounds fake to me. Yeah. So he kicks it there for a little while. <laughs> and then in 1820, the family returns to Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Um, so, in 1824, Edgar serves as lieutenant of the Richmond Youth Honor Guard when Richmond is celebrating a visit from the Marquis de Lafayette. Ooh. Our favorite Hamilton character. Indeed. <laughs> and real life person. <laughs> Hamilton character first, real life person second. Exactly. He is like the... If I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Miranda, but I believe he was like the last 
living French, whatever his title was, to have served in the revolution. And he like toured like 20 of the states or something like that. 20 of the territories. I do not know if that's true or not, but that sounds right to me. Yeah, he was touring the states, the states. around this time. Sure. Um, so, and he, I think I read that he went to like 20 different places. I don't know. Mm. It doesn't matter. It's not important. He visited <laughs> Richmond and et cetera, et cetera. So, right. and then in February of 1826, Edgar enrolls in the University of Virginia, which was, of course, founded by... Also a Hamilton character and real life person, Thomas Jefferson. Um, <laughs> and he goes there to study. Played by the same actor. Played by the also. same actor. And Edgar attends this college to attend ancient and modern, or to study ancient and modern languages. Sure. It took me several tries to get that sentence out. Talking about languages as an English major. <laughs> wow. Yikes. <laughs> Um, so he might have been engaged before going off to the university. I've heard this. Mm -hmm, to Sarah Elmira Royster, who was, I guess you could say, like, kind of his childhood sweetheart mm -hmm. in a way. Um, but they kind of lose touch while he's at the university. And she ends up marrying someone else. She marries a man named Alexander Shelton. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll loop back round to her at some point here. <laughs> um, he, Edgar also becomes estranged with John Allen during this time because he racks up some major gambling debts. Um, there was like mm -hmm. a big problem at the University of Virginia because the way that it was structured, um, per Thomas Jefferson's own design, was that the students basically disciplined and policed themselves and each other. That sounds like a very Thomas Jefferson thing to do. Yeah, so there were all these, like, rules and standards that they were meant to adhere to, one of them being don't gamble, um, but it was kind of like an unspoken thing that nobody obeyed those rules. That man. So, <laughs> yeah, so... Poe gets in some big trouble with gambling at this mm -hmm. time. And he, like, accuses John Allen of not sending him enough money to, like, live there because they were also in charge of their own, like, boarding at this school. So he's like, you didn't send me enough money for all these things. And he's like, well, I definitely did. Um, you've so just gambled we, it all away. <laughs> we have a Mr. Wickham on our hands is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Absolutely we do. Yeah. So in 1827, Edgar decides, I'm done with school. He leaves the University of Virginia. <laughs> so he doesn't even last a full year, basically. Wow. Um, and he's like, I'm out. But he doesn't feel like he can go back to Richmond because he's not in um, good graces with his foster father anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so instead, he goes back to Boston um, in April of that year. And he takes on odd jobs. He works as a clerk and a newspaper writer. And he starts writing under a pseudonym that I know I'm going to mess up because it's French. Um, Henri Le Renat, René? That's about, like that. that's about what I would have gone with. Um, he writes under that for a while. I don't really know why mm. or what he wrote under it. I think just as a newspaper writer, he just called himself that. I don't know. Um, so May 27th, 1827, Edgar in, decides he's going to enlist in the army because he... Can't support himself. He's making no money. Right. So he enlists in the army, and he uses the name Edgar A. Perry. He is 18, but he says he's 22. Sure. 
And at first, he serves at Fort Independence in Boston Harbor for $5 a month. Wow. Yeah. Um, So in the same year, he releases his first book. It's a 40-page collection of poetry called Temer Lane and Other Poems. Um, And it's attributed with the byline, by a Bostonian. (laughs) I don't really know why, but... I love that. Edgar seems to have an issue with going by his own name. Yeah. Yeah. Only 50 copies of this are printed, and it basically gets no attention. Sure. Uh, But, you know, he's new, right? Yeah. So November 8th, 1827, Edgar's regiment is moved um, to Charleston, South Carolina, um, to Fort Moultrie. I don't know Mm. how to say it. (laughs) Um, He is promoted to Artificier. Sure. Which is a tradesman who prepares shells for artillery. Okay. So he makes more money. His monthly pay basically doubles at this point. Um, He serves in that role for about two years, and he attains the rank of sergeant major for artillery. Um, And at that point, he's like, I know my enlistment is five years, but I'd like to be done with this now. (laughs) Because that's kind of his thing. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and he goes to his commander and he's like, listen, my real name is actually Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I lied to you and I would like to be done with this. <laughs> so Lieutenant Howard, who is his, you know, commanding officer, um, says that he'll only allow Poe to be discharged if he reconciles with his foster father and his foster father basically vouches for him. <laughs> I like how he was like. Okay, what an interesting story. So you're a liar. Cool, cool, cool. You know what, though? I want you to be better. I think if you yeah. reconnect with your foster dad, then you could go home. Like, go what? Home to your father, son. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you saying? Yeah. Um, John Allen is not on board with this. Well. He doesn't answer his letters, like, for many years. So on February 8th, 1829... Edgar's foster mother, Frances Allen, dies. So he goes home um, back to Richmond and finally speaks with John after a while. Yep. Um, And John finally agrees to support Edgar's attempt to get out of the, the military to instead receive an appointment to the United States Military Academy at West Point. So he basically says, like, yeah, you can be discharged, but, like, here's the, here's the deal. You're, you're going to go to West Point okay. instead. Okay. So Edgar is officially just discharged from the Army on April 15th, 1829. Before he goes to West Point, he briefly moves back to Baltimore to live with his um, Aunt Maria Clem, um, mm-hmm. her daughter, Virginia Elizabeth or, I'm sorry, Virginia Eliza Klim, mm. who is Poe's first cousin, who, uh, if you remember from our intro, we will get back to. Um, oh. And his brother, Henry, and his grandmother, Elizabeth Cairns? Carnes mm. Poe? I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and in the same year, this is when Edgar releases his second book, which is just more poems than a name sure. that I find hard to pronounce. Yeah, so that name is strange. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's Edgar. Um, (laughs) so July 1st, 1830, Edgar's finally at West Point. He is enrolled. He's there. Mm -hmm. 
And in October of that same year, his foster father, John, marries his second wife, Louisa Patterson. Edgar is still having a lot of disagreements with his father, both over his new wife and over apparently like children that he that his foster father allegedly parented from affairs. Oh, okay. <laughs> so not the best guy. In case we didn't <laughs> in case we didn't get that from the, you know, trading slaves thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um <laughs> so Alan finally um disowns Edgar um around this time. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Edgar has now decided he doesn't want to be at West Point anymore. Which is fair, because he's not in not talking to his father anymore, so. He didn't want to be there in the first place. But yep. he also, you know, might have been into it for like a day, and then he was like, nah. Because, yeah. again, that's kind of his thing. So, <laughs> he decides the best way to get out of West Point is to be purposely court-martialed. <laughs> oh my god. I don't really know how he gets to the point of being court-martialed. This man is not like, the brightest. <laughs> what events led up to it? Uh-huh. But on February 8th, 1831, he is tried. He's court-martialed and he's tried for gross neglect of duty and disobedience of orders for refusing to attend formations, classes, or church. Oh my god. So he just starts being the worst. Yeah, he just like stops showing up basically. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, it's a good way to get court-martialed, I guess. <laughs> I guess it'll do the job. <laughs> and it sure did. Uh-huh. Because he got kicked out. Yeah. So in 1831, he decides to travel to New York, and he lives there for a while. He releases a third volume of poems titled just Poems. Great title, my man. Super original. Really good job. <laughs> and the book was actually financed with help from some of his West Point classmates um many of them donated 75 cents to the cause and they raised a total of 170 dollars huh well i guess he made some friends there while he was being the worst and also apparently they thought it was going to be like full of these satirical poems that he wrote when he was there about like their officers and stuff Uh uh-huh so they were like basically waiting for the tea to be spilled that's why they paid for it that's fantastic drag them that's amazing Um, and it was printed by Elam Bliss of New York, labeled as a second edition because it included some of the poems from his earlier books. Oh, okay. Um, and included a page saying, to the U.S. Corps of Cadets, this volume is respectfully dedicated. Because they basically paid for it. Shout out. Yeah. So I just found that interesting. Yeah, I, I like that. that. That is really fun. Yeah. Sorry, I gotta take a sip on my wine. <laughs> Refreshing. <laughs> so in March of 1831 Edgar returns to Baltimore because his older brother Henry is sick mm-hmm. likely because he was an alcoholic um, so it probably had something to do with that sure um, and Henry dies on August 1st of 1831 after Henry's death this is when Edgar kind of decides he's going to He's going to live off of writing. He's Mm going to be a writer full time. And he's actually one of the first Americans to make writing basically like his full time job and live off of just that. Oh, I know who the first one was. We talked about it in class. Oh, no. Where's my notebook? I want to find the answer to this question. Find it. Oh, who was it? I'm digging. 
Edgar was one of the first. He was one of the first. It was one of his contemporaries. I just can't remember which one. Yes. I feel like I should know who it is, but I I went to college five years ago and I cannot remember. It might be Washington Irving. Mm. That makes sense. I think it's Washington Irving. Let me look it up. I don't know what I'm looking up exactly. I just... Mm -hmm. I just pulled up his Wikipedia. Let's see if it says... No, it says he was one of the first American writers to earn acclaim in Europe. Huh. Also interesting. Yes, here. I have it on the Okay. True or false, Washington Irving was the first American who was able to make a living as an author, and the answer was true. There you go. An aside, but... This is no, the time period we're talking about in my class, so. No, it's good. It's good. Um, so publishers at this time don't often pay their writers at all. And yeah. if they do, it's very late. So he wasn't really making that much money. And he was basically, like, begging people to pay him and to help <laughs> him financially. Which because is rough, what but else also, is he do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he begins making a shift around this time to more prose instead of poetry and starts working on his only drama, oh. Paul, Politician? I don't know how to say it. It's like Politician without the C. Mm. I don't know. The Baltimore Saturday Visitor awarded him a prize in October of 1833 for his short story, MS Found in a Bottle. Hmm. Um, and that story gets the attention of Baltimore author John P. Kennedy. Huh. And he starts helping Poe get more of his stories out there and introduces him to Thomas W. White, who's the editor of the Southern Literary Messenger in Richmond. And Poe starts becoming an assistant editor there Hmm. um, in August of 1835. But within a few weeks, he gets fired because he showed up drunk. Cool. Love that for him. We're getting into that area now Uh of his life where he just starts showing up drunk places. Awesome. And I read somewhere he, um, like, kind of started drinking more because he felt like he needed kind of, like, a little liquid courage when he needed to talk to large groups of people. Oh. And that's kind of what got him really rolling and clearly alcoholism runs in his family so yeah slippery slope yep but in 1835 edgar returns to baltimore and on september 22nd here we go oh this is so rough brace yourselves yeah yeah on september 22nd he obtains a license to marry his first cousin virginia clem now that's already pretty bad you might be thinking to yourself but just but you wait. Sis, it do get worse. It's believed they didn't publicly marry at that time. They didn't, like, have a, an actual ceremony until a year later in, on May 13th, 1836. When he is 27 and she is 13. It's bad. It's very bad. Super bad. And witnesses at the wedding falsely state that she's 21 oh so she can get married he's twice her age it's gross and their first cousins all of it's bad all of it's bad 
I mean, you could argue that it wasn't uncommon to marry your first cousin then, which, okay, that's true, but it doesn't make it any less awful. Right. And <laughs> and the age difference to me is worse. Yep. Obviously. Horrible. It's distressing. I need another drink. <laughs> now don't go Poe on us here. <laughs> don't go Poe on us. So your role. <laughs> So, um, so There's he that. does marry his first cousin, and uh-huh. um, they, along with Virginia's mother, his aunt and mother-in-law, oh god, uh, they return to Richmond. Edgar is reinstated at the Messenger and continues to work there until January of eighteen thirty-seven. Mm. Um. During this time, he claims that his circulation, uh, the circulation of the messenger increased from 700 to 3,500. Oh. Um, he published a lot of his poems and book reviews and critiques and stories in the paper. Mm-hmm. So he kind of like credits himself with giving it a wider distribution, which honestly he might have. I right. just don't know if that's for real. Oh, I also just like to think that it started getting a wider circulation and he just was like, oh, I'm just going to put all my stuff in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which it could also be. Look, true. all these people are reading it. I, this is a great place to just put all my stuff and I'm in charge, so I can. But it was me. So in 1838, Edgar releases The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Mm-hmm. In 1839, he begins working as an assistant editor of Burton's Gentleman's Magazine. Uh-huh. And this is where he kind of starts to build more of a reputation as a writer. Um, he writes a lot of literary criticism mm-hmm. in his life and he kind of starts getting more of a reputation as a critic i'm pretty sure that magazine is where the fall of the house of usher was first published because that's the I one that we right. read for my class and i remember reading about it being in a gentleman's magazine yeah it would have been that one yeah um in 1839 he releases the collection tales of the grotesque and arabesque which is a great name yes it is so good <laughs> In two volumes. It gets mixed reviews. Despite its fantastic name. It's great. It doesn't make him a lot of money, but that's also unsurprising. Yep. So in June of 1840, Edgar actually writes a prospectus stating that he intends to publish his own journal. He's going to call it The Stylus. Originally, he was going to call it, I think, The Pen, P-E-N-N, because it was going to be published out of Philadelphia, but then he changed the name. Um, the journal's never published. He does purchase ad space to print the prospectus where he's saying this is going to happen, but it just doesn't happen before his death. Uh. So he actually, I found this super interesting because I didn't know about this. So I'm just going to read like the whole quote. Okay. So around this time, he attempted to secure a position within the administration of President Tyler. Huh. Claiming that he was a member of the Whig Party. So he loves an alternate, he loves um, an alias, Uh (laughs) a new reality for himself. Oh no. He hoped to be appointed to the Custom House in Philadelphia with help from President Tyler's son, Robert, an acquaintance of Poe's friend, Frederick Thomas. But here's what had happened though Poe. Failed to show up for the meeting with Thomas to discuss the appointment in 1842, claiming to have been sick, though Thomas believed that he had been drunk. He was promised an appointment, but all the positions were filled. (laughs) This is fantastic. I never knew that. 
Every detail of that is so good. And I don't know why he would want to work for President Tyler. Me either. I kind of feel like he just wanted to move to Philadelphia and didn't know what else he was going to do, I guess. I guess. But I also genuinely just don't know. Move to Philadelphia. Like, you're a writer. Just go to a place and start writing, I mean, my man. <laughs> you've moved a bajillion times. So. Yeah, just go. Like, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that happened. Oh, but I found it interesting. It was very interesting. I was very amused by his, uh, <laughs> his claims of being awake. Yeah. Oh, bless. Yeah, that's, that's also weird. Um, so in 1841... He publishes The Murders in the Rue Morgue. And this is basically believed to be the first, like, modern detective story. That's interesting. So all the sort of detective stories that come after that are are really well influenced by this. like By, like, the formula um, he uses? Yeah. Well, Sherlock Holmes yeah. is basically, it's the same formula. And he's credited with inspiring that work and, the, and a few others. Huh. Um, so he kind of invented that, which is not surprising that he invented the modern detective story. It's just not something you know him for. Yeah, no. You but it, it, the the themes of a detective story fit perfectly into his, like, gothic writing. Like, it makes perfect sense. Yes. And I read that it was, like, it spared... I haven't read this one, but I've read that it just, like, spared no details. <laughs> like, it was pretty gory. Cool. So... That's good to know. I do have a complete works of Edgar Allan Poe here, so it's probably in there. Mm -hmm. I just haven't read it. Um, So in January of 1842, Virginia, his cousin wife. um, (laughs) I hated that. I hated that. (laughs) Well, it's true. Um, She starts showing signs of consumption. Apparently, while she was like playing the piano and singing, she just like started coughing up blood. and And Edgar said it was like, um, he blamed it on like a burst blood vessel in her throat, but I mean, that is was... so dramatic. Yeah, but it was tuberculosis. What a dramatic s- moment to See, notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hello, he's Poe. I know. Um. So this is when Edgar starts drinking a lot more heavily because he's stressed mm-hmm. and not just like trying to be cool at parties. <laughs> like <laughs> he's not just like a social drinker. Not under peer pressure or <laughs> uh-huh. But he returns to New York after she sort of partially recovers. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, doing a little better. Um he works briefly at the Evening Mirror before becoming editor of the Broadway Journal. And later he goes on to own the Broadway Journal, I believe. This is what I'm saying. Like, if he wanted to be in Philadelphia, he could have just gone and worked at yeah. another paper. Like, he does Don't it. And he's Amanda, done do it. do not ask me to explain the actions of Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> because not a single human on this earth could do so. That's fair. Um, he really alienated himself when he was working, um, in New York. Uh, he, like, publicly accused, uh, other writers of, like, particularly Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Mm -hmm. of plagiarism. Um, they actually, they had, like, a kind of a little bit of a battle going on for a while. Longfellow never really responded to it and didn't really get into it, but his supporters really did. Um, so he... 
Poe was not very well liked. I love that, that he like tried to start a war with this guy and this guy was like, I don't really care. And then uh, his fans started beating on Poe for him. That's very Yeah, his social media me. fandom went really hard. Apparently. Also, can I just tell you, I opened up my lit book to look for something while we were talking about this and I opened it right up to the Telltale Heart. That's terrifying. <gasps> How did He's I do watching. that? He's watching. He is watching. So January 29th, 1845... It kicks off because <laughs> it all Raven, pops off. <laughs> it all pops off. The Raven is published in the Evening Mirror, becomes a hit. Edgar's a household name almost immediately. He's only paid nine dollars for the publication, which is wild. But everybody knows him now. Mm-hmm. And it was actually concurrently published in the American Review, a Whig journal, under the <laughs> pseudonym Quarles. What? Huh? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But it was. So, gotta t- I gotta say it, because it was. So, Edgar's got his first hit on his hands, doing pretty good, even though he's not making any money off of it. But in 1846, the Broadway Journal goes under. Uh... Edgar moves to a house in Fordham, New York, in what is now the Bronx, and this is the house that you can now go to there that is known as the Edgar Allan Poe Cottage. Right, right. Uh, January 30th, 1847, Virginia dies at that cottage. Mm-hmm. Poe really goes into a spiral after his wife's death. He's very unstable kind yeah. of from that point on. He um, attempts to court the poet Sarah Helen Whitman, who lived in Providence. Hmm. But that didn't happened uh, (laughs) because he was drinking and like really erratic and there's also pretty strong evidence that her mother intervened and was like no that's not a good call for you which was probably fair yeah and true Uh uh-huh um but then edgar returns to uh, richmond virginia and starts a relationship again with his childhood sweetheart Sarah Elmira Royster, whose husband had died. Um, And he, like, went to stay at her house um, after he gave a lecture there. And they kind of, like, came to an agreement. They had discussed marriage, and they Mm -hmm. were basically engaged again. Nothing says it was, like, official. But then he he left. Mm Mm-hmm. And her children didn't approve because uh, their father's will basically stated that, like, if she remarried, they'd lose, like, half of the inheritance or something oh. like that. Oh. So they were not really done with that. Makes which sense. Also fair. <laughs> yeah. So he leaves um, and goes back to Baltimore. And on October 3rd, 1849, he is found delirious in the streets. Just kind of behaving really strangely probably probably drunk but Mm -hmm. we'll get to that in a second um he's taken to washington medical college where he dies on october 7th 1849 at 5 a.m he wasn't sorry go ahead i was just gonna say listeners i want you to know that normally in an episode of the podcast when we get to the point where someone dies there's like not that much notes left there's like a page of notes left about this i just have some I just have some bullet points. Oh, yeah, no, which is fine. I just, I find that entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, that's not the end of it. It almost was, and I was like, oh, no, these are all interesting. No, the the speculations about his death are very interesting. 
Yeah. So he's not coherent enough before his death to explain, like, why he's like this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, wearing clothes that aren't his. He's apparently repeatedly calling out the name Reynolds on the night before he dies, but nobody can figure out who he's talking about. <sighs> And some people say that his final words were, Lord, help my poor soul. But that's not, I don't know that that's like confirmed anywhere. Right. All of his medical records have been lost, including his death certificate. Oh, that's very interesting. I mean, I know he was probably just drunk, but there's enough very specific details there to just be like, hmm. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It is very weird. And because he wasn't like as famous as he is now, like... There was no incentive to try to save his records. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we just don't know. Yeah. His death, has, his death is weird in the same way that Van Gogh's is weird. Where we, yes. like, have a pretty firm idea of what happened, but there's just enough there for you to be like, hmm, now wait yeah. a second. And he's well known, but not, like, famous. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's just weird. So newspapers at the time report that his report his death as a congestion of the brain or cerebral inflammation, which was basically a euphemism for he he, he was an alcoholic. Sure. And he, you know, um, the official cause of death, though, is unknown. Right. Nobody really knows what it was. Um, so here's the speculation. Their speculation includes um delirium tremens which is basically confusion brought on by alcohol withdrawal like that whole episode of it's always sunny (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) they think they have the flu because they just stopped drinking (laughs) yeah yeah so he might have been trying to stop drinking and that's what caused him to be so delirious because he had been drinking so heavily yeah yeah um other Speculation says that it might have been heart disease, epilepsy, syphilis, which... Oh, that'll do it to you. Similar, similar symptoms. Yep. Um, meningital inflammation, which can also cause that. Uh-huh. Um, cholera and rabies. Really could have been any of those things. How wild would it be for Edgar Allan Poe to have died of rabies? That is... That would be nuts. That is nuts. My personal opinion is that either he was he was so wildly drunk... Mm-hmm. And had some sort of alcohol poisoning, or the exact opposite. He was trying to quit, and he and he was delirious. Yeah, yeah, that makes the most stand sense. Drop. That's I think probably one or the other. Yeah, me too. So here are just some of the the facts that I threw in. A lot of his writing reflects his literary theories. Um, which he mostly presents in the criticism he wrote right. throughout his life, and in essays that he wrote, like the Poetic Principle. He didn't like um, didacticism. I think that's how you pronounce that. I've never been positive on that word. Um, which is basically like instructional or informative qualities. Uh-huh. He didn't like allegory. But he did believe that all literature should have like a meaning okay. beneath the surface. And that he said works with obvious meaning cease to be art. That's what he said. Mm. So he doesn't want it to be too obvious, but he doesn't like allegory. <laughs> Which is like, Which is like okay. Gotta, okay. Gotta sort of pick one there. <laughs> right. Um, but he believed that work that was of good quality should be brief and it should focus on a specific effect, 
which it, you can see in his writing. Yeah, it's and we were all one when, when we were learning about him, we were talking about how he believed that like all of, every short story or just yes. like stories should be able to be read in one sitting, so that you he like, believed have to that, live in it. He believed that the action in short stories should take place over a single day. Yeah, like he because thought that you needed to be, be able too to drawn out. He, you sit down and read it and not leave it. Like don't go do yes. your stuff because it, it'll lose the tension. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he very much wrote to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, during his lifetime, he was mostly recognized as a literary critic rather Just than so like, interesting. Yeah, well, that's what he mostly wrote in every publication. Well, and that's what he made money off of. It did, yes. Well, some money. Yeah. <laughs> well, the money that he but, lived on, like that's what it, he made yeah. it off of. Yeah, his jobs yeah. were that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um I liked this. I found it really interesting. So again, I'm just gonna read kind of the whole thing. Um, like many famous artists, Poe's works have spawned imitators. One trend among imitators of Poe has been claims by clairvoyants or psychics to be channeling poems from Poe's spirit, which I have heard of before. Wow, that is hmm, interesting. I've heard of this a lot, actually. One of the most notable of these was Lizzie Doten, who published... Uh, poems from the inner life in 1863 in which she claimed to have received new compositions by Poe's spirit. Sure. They were basically just reworkings of Poe's poems that were, were like slightly more positive. So basically she rewrote the poems and then claimed that it came from him. Yeah. And made them more positive, which was like not his get. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But I've also heard people sort of romanticize this, that gothic spirit of his writing by saying like oh yeah like i'm psychic i'm clairvoyant he's who i connect with and he he sends me the words and i write you know i've heard that i had not that's really interesting yeah i've heard people kind of try to sell that story but it's not nobody's buying (laughs) you know what i mean yeah um, it is believed that only 12 copies have survived of poe's first book um, and in December of 2009, one copy sold at Christie's, which is an auction house mm-hmm. um, in New York, for $662,500, which was a record price paid for a work of American literature. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, he also had <gasps> a very... <laughs> he was also very interested... I knew you'd be... I knew you'd be down with this one. Um, he's also very interested in cryptography. Yes. He placed a notice in, like, Philadelphia papers, um, like Alexander's Weekly Express Messenger, uh-huh. um, inviting submissions of cipher, of ciphers, because he was like, hey, I'm really good at this. Send me ciphers, which he would then solve. That's incredible. And, um, like, America's greatest, like, cryptographer, whose name is escaping me right now, um, was really heavily influenced by him and read a lot of his early ciphers. And this is the man who helped us with um, cracking, like, Japan's code in World War II. Whoa! That's amazing! Yeah, so Poe had pretty heavy influence. That's incredible! I love <laughs> yeah. cryptography. Ciphers and stuff are so that. cool. <sighs> yeah, I read that and I was like, well, I have to include that for <laughs> For me. That. That's amazing. And that's all I have on, on Poe. What a weird, weird man. Yeah, he was a weird man. It's very he, weird to me to think that this, like, 
very famous like gothic artist we have these images of poe in our head but like he was a punk kid who went to boarding school essentially you know what i mean like yes he was really non-committal yeah and he was really flighty yes and i think we do definitely romanticize him because his work is so romantic and his death is mysterious and he's mysterious like and he is a genius. Yeah. Oh, he totally. Created literature that is fascinating. Yeah. And yes, there's nothing so well, that exists like his work. No, and it's so well structured. And what we're talking about with like his belief in how a story should be crafted, like that is Lasting. essential to American literature. Yeah, totally. And so it's like really interesting that. That's not what he was known for when he was alive. He was known for being a critic, at which he was very good. He yeah. was good at that, too. And Because he had good ideas about literature. Like, it, mm-hmm. he, it translated both into his critiques and into his own work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fascinated with Poe. He's a very interesting man. Should we do a quick Google auto search? Yeah. Okay. So, was Edgar Allan Poe is the question. Uh, married. <laughs> yes, he were. <laughs> to his cousin. <laughs> yes, he were. Oof. Uh, murdered. Oh, mm. interesting. Probably not. But you know what? He could have been poisoned. He could have been poisoned. I don't know who would have wanted to poison him, but it could have been. Maybe his mother-in-law slash aunt, who was like, maybe you shouldn't have married my daughter. No, she... She liked him. So. But wouldn't that have been amazing? That would have been amazing. It would have been just like one of his novels. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, was he adopted? No. No, he was he not. Was not formally. Fostered, but he was not adopted. Um, a poet? Yeah. Uh-huh. He, and we'll end on this one because I don't know where this comes from. <laughs> okay. Was Edgar Allan Poe buried alive? <laughs> I no. guess that comes from Telltale Heart. Or, but I don't know or why. Fall of the House of the Usher. Of Like, that's just a thing he does. Buries folks alive. I'm confused. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of would be. Oh, there was a, well, there was a PBS documentary called Burial, Buried Alive that explored his mysterious death oh. so maybe it must have been a theory the question that wasn't the question <laughs> <laughs> must this have been says a pbs buried alive unmasks the truth about edgar Allan poe what truth <laughs> oh jeez. I am confused do people really think he was buried alive uh, that's i uh, that's the first time hearing of that because it's pretty easy to find that he, in fact, was not. No, like, there's a, there are no more lasting records, but there once were records that, of his death. <laughs> I think it's just about, like, debugging. Yeah. Like, theories about him. Uh-huh. I don't know why it's called that, but he was not buried alive, no. my friends. That's the answer to your question, yeah. Google. He surely was not. No, he was not. <laughs> boy well that's poe he's weird he is weird interesting he's not the weirdest person we've talked about and certainly there will be weirder yeah but <laughs> there's a lot of folks who have lived who have done interesting things uh-huh uh-huh interesting is one way to put it uh-huh <laughs> 
I mean, we did an episode about a bear once, so. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, hello, Rasputin. Oh my gosh. That's just a fact. Maybe we should do a rankings. Oh, yes. Can somebody rank our episodes from weirdest subject to least weird subject? (laughs) Yes, if somebody has the time and energy and would like to do that, please do, because I would be so interested to know your answers. (laughs) I want to know your thoughts. Yeah, same. So, Amanda, next time, it's on you, and you wanted it to be near Thanksgiving, so give us an idea. I'm doing a weird one. Kind of conceptual. Um, I want to talk about the founding of America because... There are quotes around the word founding. Yeah, because there are a lot of stories about how America was quote unquote founded. And we get told that all of them are true and like none of them are. So I wanted to talk (laughs) about them. So that's going to be next week. And it's going to be a little conceptual. So sort of right along with me, but... (laughs) It's your own debunking episode. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And that'll be our Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, more or less. Sort of. Sort of. Um, <laughs> it'll come out the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, here in America. Um, it's not everybody else's Thanksgiving. Um, and then there will be a couple of holiday-themed episodes. I ran a couple of polls, and results were almost this like <laughs> even so cool. one poll told us to do one thing and the other poll told us to the uh, to do the other thing awesome. Love so that. i think we're just gonna do what we decide to do which is um the history of specific holidays yeah we're gonna talk about a couple of holidays in december um so if you listeners have specific holidays you'd like us to talk about wintertime holidays yeah, we have um, we have an idea, mm-hmm. but we'd love to hear your thoughts if you have suggestions or something you just really want to learn about. Yeah. Um, and so if you have suggestions for that, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com, or you can send them to us on Twitter at RTTPod. Um, and if you don't have suggestions, that's fine too. We'll figure it out. But <laughs> we want to know what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet, you can find me at the real Anna Webb, and I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Did it? Did it? Cool. Another another episode. Yeah. So check next time. Join us for some more of America, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, remember that time. Yeah.